Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Quite a week for the Sabres and an emotional week overall. Welcome into Sabres Live Overtime. When you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo with the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily and self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations. Whether you visit Seneca, Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek, the Sports Lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens, so you'll never miss a play. The sports book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos, where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. Marty, this is a, a unexpectedly heavy start, I think, to uh, our Sabres live overtime. Uh, if there was a simple title for this episode, it would be Life Man. Uh, it can really, <laughs> really hit. And um, we experienced the incredible joy of seeing so many Sabres fans face-to-face -face at a road crew party this week. We saw the club win over Pittsburgh and have leads only to disappear on the road and then have the week culminate with the uh, still hard to put into words loss of Peter McNabb, uh, um, an incredible Sabres alum, yeah. but just an amazing human being. I could sit here and bore you with all the statistics that Peter put up in his career, but I don't know if um, if I can honestly say I've met a nicer human being in the game. Yeah, it's uh, it was very upsetting and sad when uh, I learned Sunday early in the day of the passing of Peter McNabb, one that uh, even through all the health issues that he had had over the last few years, was in the booth, uh, helping calling Colorado Avalanche games. Uh, everybody was always happy to see him and to shake his hand and to spend five minutes talking to him, and obviously his love for this area, the organization here in Buffalo was uh, was always on display whenever Colorado would make their way into Buffalo that one time a year. Uh, it was uh, a fixture into the media meal to talk to. And you're right. Uh, you talk about life. Like sports is one thing. Life is another. Sometimes we combine the two and it comes becomes life, right? Sports becomes life. But then there's these reminders of somebody that we care about and we love and uh, gone too soon. So to Peter and his family, man, we we're thinking about you, you know, all of you and, and his friends and family and um, too soon. He was 70 and I don't know how many people could cram this much hockey and love in their life into 70 years. Um, but you know, like it's, it's heightened for a number of reasons. First is the gratitude that we were all able to share his love for the game and that the Avalanche delivered a Stanley Cup winning performance. And I will never forget how he interacted with Gabe Landeskog on the ice amidst that celebration and in an interview that he did. Um, he has worked all the way through battling cancer. We're getting set for our Hockey Fights Cancer Night on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard and it's a really just awful reminder of how devastating this disease can be and and marty like it's emotional because like i said seeing so many saber fans in raleigh this week that was a delayed experience from march of 2020 is when it was yeah. supposed to happen and on the heels of this week i found myself thinking how many people didn't live to actually see that day and a huge loss for us was 
it's probably the first road crew we've ever been to that Rene Robert was not a part of. Yeah. You know um, what I mean? Like, so there's, there's a yep. lot of, a lot of raw feelings this week. Um, they're healthy. We all need to experience them in the, in the sense of that, like you say, it's, it's life, but, but boy, it, it, it hits deep this week. And again, maybe uh, to that point, Duffer is now I'm going to look back and man, am I going to appreciate that, that road crew party in Carolina that we did with the fans over there so much more. Uh, going into our hockey fights cancer against the Boston Bruins on Saturday, uh, the 12th, I believe it is. Mm -hmm. um, that is going to be even more uh, of an emphasis of en enjoying the people, enjoying the moment. And I got to tell you, as you know, I know heavy and 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 upsetting beginning to this pod and and the you know the one side of the spectrum, but to the other side. Man, did it feel good to see that amount of people in Carolina mm. just loving the Sabres, their players, their coaches, the organization, the alumni, uh, walking. And the RJ. line was out the door to see <laughs> RJ. Like, it yeah. just was amazing, right? And yeah. and the fact that RJ is like, yeah, I'm going on this road crew. Yeah. It, RJ was mad because his grandson didn't get to go because his grandson, you know, I think, fell ill the last day, right? He didn't get to go. And RJ was like, oh, this is all like I'm here and I'm loving this, but I wish my grandson would be here. But you know what? We'll do it again. And mm -hmm. RJ's grandson will get to go. But it just, uh, yeah, there was there was such love with the uh, with the road crew party that uh, you got to you got to enjoy that. Um, but it it always makes you feel like ugh, when there's people that are missing that are not there. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard. Yeah. Thanks to everyone at Buffalo Brothers and Raleigh, uh, the staff, those who turned out. It, it, it was yet another memorable night. And our co-workers, uh, Marty, they, they grind so hard to put these events on. Um, it's not easy. And and we're really thankful to be a part of it. Um, how do you how do you put into context the the week again? Emotional highs. I mean, my goodness, we saw a near record setting performance from yep. Tage Thompson. We saw a come from behind win against Pittsburgh. Those wins, while more plentiful these days, have always been hard to come by against Crosby and company. They had two first period leads in Carolina, a place they almost never win. And they had a third period lead in Tampa, a place they almost never win. You know, so it's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here. A ton to unpack. I had to go back and say, okay, what happened in the last week? I had to write it down. Like, who did the Sabres play in the last week? Because I was starting to think, okay, let's go back the last five games going back to Chicago. But mm -hmm. we did hit on Chicago the last time we did this podcast. So it starts really Monday with Detroit. And the Tage Thompson performance, three goals, three assists, six points. Um Tyne, Wayne Gretzky, and Bobby Clark as the most points on Halloween in the NHL, which is kind of incredible duffer that you had that stat in the pregame and it actually happened, right? Yeah. You're like, Hey, just so you know, Wayne Gretzky has got most uh, points on Halloween in the history of the NHL. Just another Gretzky record, right? But Tate uh, Thompson with the incredible performance. You're, you're right. We were in Raleigh already Wednesday night when the game against the Pittsburgh Penguins happened, it was a TNT game and we got to watch the Sabres battle back, right? Take advantage of a tired Penguins in the third period, I believe the last few minutes of the second, and the third, they stuck to it. Uh, a couple of heartbreaking ones, but for me, the biggest thing is as bad as it feels to lose two in a row, mm -hmm. 
which the Sabres have done now with mm-hmm. Carolina and Tampa, that to me is a step forward. Because in the past, losing two was like, okay, they played two good games. Um, they they had tough opponents. They lost them. No, this, this I feel from Sabres fans and most importantly, the players, those two losses hurt. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have Sam Wilson, Yoki Aryu. Uh, Labushkin wasn't there for the first one. And then Darlene wasn't there for the Tampa Bay game. So I'm talking about huge adversity mm-hmm. and it still hurts to lose these two games. That's the different mindset. I think we're dealing with here with this team. Well, and it would have been utterly disrespectful and unimaginable after Monday's six point performance to think that Tage Thompson would play two shifts in the first 13 minutes of the final game of the week because the coach didn't think he was going particularly well. But you know what? Again, this is reality. I, I don't, like, I, obviously nobody wants to see it, but when has Don not known what is actually going on with the group? Like, he knows who can push at the right time. And amidst it all they took the lead yeah. <laughs> in the third period you know what i mean like this it's just there's and they so took the lead why to duffer they took the lead because it was skinner cousins and tuck a line that was put together yeah. in the third period because don is like who do i got going who do 53 24 89 let's see because you guys seems to be going right and it took the lead now for those that think like oh my god where was don granado doing sitting thompson he says i didn't think he had it no, I, it's okay. Not everybody's going to have it every night, and that's fine, or every afternoon, or every game, whatnot. I've seen it where in his better years, Miroslav Satan being glued to the bench because Lindy was like, I don't think Miro's got it. Seen Marion Gabrick, you know, he scored 40 in the NHL, and Jordan Torrella saying, he's not giving me what I need. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean the next game, these guys are in the doghouse. That's not a doghouse situation that I'm trying to win the game. And if we can't respect that and enjoy that mentality, then what the hell are we doing? We're trying to win the game. Now, there's an interesting observation within Thompson's game um, from our crew's standpoint. The fact that, and, and and it's obvious for anyone who's been paying attention since the start of last year to now, which is now a 90-game run for Tage, where he finds himself in the top 50 in NHL points, and he also finds himself in the top 20 in goals. So where has that production happened? Well, largely it's happened at home. I mean, he trails only two guys in the league in home goals and that's great. You know, like we also have to remember, okay. So over the 90 games, he is 71st in road goals. Well, that's actually okay too. The guy only makes 1.4 million this year. He hasn't kicked into (laughs) his new extension yet. And 14 road goals in 44 games still projects to a very good season if you were just playing on the road. Yes, there is a disparity, but I don't think it's cause for concern. However, you've lived these in-game matchups and what Tage Thompson, as barely out of his first year as a centerman in this game, is actually up against on a regular basis right now. And so the matchups are a big thing. You're going to be on the road. The last two years, Tate Thompson has been pegged as the number one center. So you're going to see the top line from the other team when you go on the road. At home, you can manage those those 
those uh, matchups. Although I don't think Don Granado really is looking at, well, I'm going to try to get Tage away from right. a certain situation, but, but it's totally normal to have maybe a preference from home, the ice, the, the sight lines, the, uh, the angles on certain approach, right? When you're, you, the rings are pretty much the same, but there's, there's different nuances, right? And I, mm -hmm. so there's places I went, even though the rank was, 85 by 200 it just felt different just felt different the the lighting was different the the approach to it was different so i get that now tage is also very young and if i had to maybe instill a little advice to tage thompson i'd say it's gonna be stuck in mud sometimes on the road right a lot different than at home because at home uh, at times Don Granado is going to say, okay, I'm going to get Tage on a, on a shift here against a lesser competition on the other side mm -hmm. to get him going. You may not be able to do that on the road. So I'm just saying, work yourself through it, battle through it, fight through it. And I think he's getting there, right? Last year, he had 25 goals at home, 13 on the road, 41 points at home, 27 on the road. I'd be, I'd be surprised. And I haven't done the research, but I would think that's pretty normal from most players to just yeah, aside from the superstars who do it almost identically everywhere. Right. I, I would like, say everybody else is probably at, at least a 10 to 15 points. If you get 60 points a year, yeah. it's probably 35, 25, right? And, like and, and home and to for, road. Just for team context, like Tage has, as you say, 31 points in the last 44 road games, pretty darn good numbers. Uh, Darlene leads with 34 and Skinner's got 32. So he's literally, he's a good period away from being the leader on the oh, team yeah. in road points over the last year and a couple of months. So, so again, it, it, and, and it's worth noting because I think again, we, we try not to talk in generalities. That's what our pledge to you is to try to give you a little bit more. So the reality check is who did Thompson play against the most yesterday against Tampa Hedman, oh. Chernak, Kucherov, Point, yeah. and Hagel. Do you know the only goal against he was on for was the empty netter at the end? Yeah. So amidst all of it, like you do need to take a step back and, and like you're not going to score multiple goals every night. And the door opened for others to make a difference. And boy, oh boy, when you look at that highlight reel of chances that we showed in our postgame show that Buffalo was unable to finish on. Okay, maybe it wasn't Thompson in the reel, but the opportunity is there for other guys to make a difference night in, night out. It is for other guys to make a difference during the night out. And sometimes if Thompson's not going, then Cousins has to go or Middlestad has to go or somebody else has to step up. But over an 82-game season, you're going to get less games where Thompson is not going compared to some other guys in the room. And that's yeah. just normal. And look, do I expect Tage Thompson to come out flying this week against Arizona, Vegas, and Boston? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And he should. Look, there's... Look at what other guys have responded. Vinny Anastroza set out two games. How he responded after that. Quinn, Krebs, Asplin, same thing, right? Adversity is not a bad thing. And being told no sometimes, look, I'm a parent, you're a parent. Sometimes tell no to your kid and it goes in the right direction. That is all that Don Granado is trying to do here. And that's important. So all eyes this week will be on the status of Rasmus Dahlin and yeah. how quickly he can either A, return, and or A and B, return to form and be able to really help this group, which is nowhere close to healthy, which, uh, you know, we could focus on that right now. But I think maybe the smarter area is to focus on 
what are all these different combinations adding up to oh. as far as trying to get a read on Buffalo's goaltending as it pertains to expected goals against what their actual numbers are, what their win loss record is, which by the way is seven and five right now in an ultra ultra tight Atlantic division. So yeah, these losses hurt, but everybody's going through them. There's basically no separation amidst the 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 division at this point in time, nor nor should there be this early in the season. But <laughs> ask Columbus, sometimes there's unexpected separation. So um yeah. but yeah, like how do you how do you view this? Because and let's let's like really, really, really try to simplify it if possible because I do think it's fair for fans to wonder Comrie's given up a fair number of goals here like how do we actually feel about his game okay so there's a few ways to look at it because there are some websites you can access any fans can access those natural stat trick you can go in you will get the expected goals for expected goals against high danger chances all of that, right? You can measure the performance of a goaltender compared to the expectations. Money Puck's another one where they basically put it really, really easy to find and read who are the top goaltenders when it comes to their goals save above expectation. And you look at over 82 games, usually the cream of the crop is the top of that leaderboard. Sports logic is one that is more internal. It's more like where teams get access to some of those numbers. Some, uh, you know, I get access to those numbers through a partnership with uh, with sports logic. So, but the numbers differ a little bit depending on where you look and how they value a shot or a, a, a chance and how they put that in the values. But let's just look at the last four games, for example, right? So against Detroit, the Sabres at a 1.36 goals uh against expected goals against they gave up three so they gave up more than they should have but it's an eight three game at some point like okay throw that in the garbage it's a win right mm -hmm. against Pittsburgh they were supposed to give up three and a half they gave up three that's a good game for a goaltender save a half a goal a game you're going to be in the top of the league competing for Vesna Carolina we're supposed to be 2.54 give up four okay you gave up more than you should have Plus the uh, empty netter, right? Uh, well, yeah. So there was three plus four. Pl yeah, plus one. But I think they count them. And okay. then against Tampa is 496. You gave up five, but the empty netters is a value. So let's just say you gave up the expectation, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people are going to focus on Eric Comrie because Craig Anderson's three and one. Mm -hmm. And in three out of the four games, played better than the expectation. The only one was the Carolina was slightly under. Mm -hmm. Eric Comrie's four and four. His expect, expected record is four and four. So you're not telling me that Eric Comrie is not playing at least average to good. Mm -hmm. you, you can't say, oh, Eric Comrie's been bad. No, his expected record is four and four. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's, he stole a few games. And maybe there's a couple of games that you're looking and say, uh, I'd like him to make a save. And he acknowledged that. But I've always said this. Number one. He's with a new team. Mm -hmm. It takes a little while for goalies, especially to get adjusted and accustomed to a new team, to where the, the, the dangers coming from, how you, you play certain situation, especially special teams. So that's one. The second aspect of it. Well, Eric Humphrey's never been a number one goaltender in the NHL. Mm -hmm. He's never played this, this amount of games in a short period of time. He's mm -hmm. going to learn. He's going to prepare and adjust as it goes. Uh, but if early in the season, 
you would have told me Eric Comrie is going to be playing at expectation mm -hmm. for the first month of the year. I would have said, I'm good with it. Now, with with the defense core challenges. With the defense core challenge. And the other thing, too. Okay, so when we look at expectations, right? Expected goals, it says a player X. And it doesn't matter if it's Nathan McKinnon or if it is uh, Jacob Bryson, for example. It says this player is shooting at 25 feet away from the net after getting a pass from one side of the ice to the other. Is there a screen? It doesn't value who's shooting. Okay. It also doesn't value what how close the defense is. Is there a stick getting close to you? How much time you have to shoot the puck? There's a lot of faulty numbers you can get. Mm -hmm. My biggest thing, without Samuelson, without Yoki Aryu, without Labushkin for a little bit and Darlene is that that value, that shot that you're getting, in my opinion, should have a higher value attached mm -hmm. to it because a breakaway, the guy coming in, shooting from 25 feet out maybe, sure. is going to get the same value as a guy that's in the slot getting a pass and wanting to shoot it. Mm -hmm. So he, I feel like, especially in Tampa, Eric Comrie faced some unbelievably hard shots, mm -hmm. scoring chances that if you have your top decor, you may not give up, right? Like there was breakaways, rebounds, attempts around the crease. Like, okay, yeah. the value that they're going to give is the value they're going to give. Mm -hmm. But if Samuelson's there, is it an easier save? Yeah. Or is there not a rebound to be had, right? Well, like, I, I'd love to be able to, what's that? That to me is the big difference yeah. from from having all your 6D to not having four out of them. I would love to say I'm surprised to see all these chances in and around Eric Comrie, but it has been the problem since Eric Comrie played his first preseason game oh for gosh, the Sabres. So like, bad. Why, why? Why is he being forced into such terrible disadvantage? Dis, you know, like disadvantages on the ice. Like, I mean, it's it's odd man rush. It's it, it's breakaways. It's it's backdoor plays. Um, there seems to be more of them in the games that Eric Comrie plays in. But anyway, I think you've put it really well, and and obviously. This will be an evaluation over time with the hope that they can get their defense core healthy. I will say this, Marty. I am, as you know, also really interested to see where the numbers end up relative to the rest of the league, which I keep saying is trending up for offense, which means worse for defense and goaltender numbers. And we're already seeing well below or more than half the league, their team save percentage is worse than 900 and we're seeing goals against you know buffalo's even fallen right back into the middle of the pack here with a tough weekend which you know so that so th we just need to train our minds to adjust with what we're seeing we cannot sit here and pat everybody on the back for great offense without recognizing that it comes at the expense of some higher defensive numbers. And that's fine. You just have to live with that because it's how the game is being played. Okay. So again, I'm going to look at the numbers because I like to think watching the games and the eye test will tell you a story and the numbers will tell you a different story in Tampa. For example, the eye test tells you, Oh my goodness. Comrie was really, really good. Everybody looks at the fourth goal, right? The one from the slot that went through the leg of uh, Lubushkin. Yeah. I look at the first goal more than the fourth one mm -hmm. as the one that I say, as a goaltender, if I did a self-evaluation, that's the one I want to have. 
That's the one I want to say. And I let, oh, I can't believe I said that. That's the yep. one I want to have because we all want them back. But that's the save I got to make, right? That's yep. the one I would look at. But at the end of the day, if I tell you both your goaltenders are in top 20 in goal save above expectation, according to Sports Logic, mm -hmm. like they're top 20, both of them. Well, and there's uh, 70 goalies basically already this year. So, okay. You yeah, so Vasilevsky's yeah. 21st, so, so, right? So, yeah. I, I mean, keep, that's keep the way in the it top is. 20. Sounds good to me. I, so. I mean, other than, okay. And who's number one on that list? It's yeah. Carter Hart. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Why yeah. is Carter Hart so high on the list? Because mm -hmm. Philly is playing this defensive hockey game that blocks a ton of shots and is in your face. We'll give up a ton of shots against Carter Hart. But I feel like I played for John Tortorella. Mm -hmm. And Henrik Lundqvist benefited from playing for uh, for John Tortorella at some point because the game's easier the way they play defense. Well, mm -hmm. if you don't have Samuelson, Yoki, are you Labushkin, and or Dalene? Well, I don't care if you're giving up only thirty shots on goal. The shots are going to be tougher to stop because you don't have that group of D. And Carter Hart is at the top of the list. Why? Because. He's got a good defensive structure in front of him with guys that are playing simple defense. He's number one. That's just the way it is. We're in the final five minutes. Is there anything else um, you, you specifically wanted to bring up from a Sabres standpoint, you know, individual that might be uh, exceeding expectations might be a little below the surface right now that you might be a tad concerned on. Otherwise I think in, in lieu of maybe three stars, we just do quick hits on the three games coming this week. Yeah, I think, uh, look, Victor Olofsson is who he is, right? Mm -hmm. He's going to get empty net goals. He's going to get power play goals. What I saw out of Victor this week is his willingness and ability to not just play on the right side of the ice and wait for the one-timer is looking at other options, mm -hmm. middle of the ice, right side of the ice, front of the net. Uh, but it still comes with the puck's on his stick for less than a quarter of a second every time he scores a goal, right? Mm -hmm. He's not a puck carrier. He's not a push the pace in the neutral zone. He's going to get you your goals. But I think that's who he is now. And we got it. I almost have to tell myself, I want to embrace that. I want to embrace that Victor Olsen is going to play that type of game mm -hmm. and that there's plenty of guys around the league that are really good and we don't watch every single minute they're on the ice, but they show their statistics, they score goals. And we think they're really, really good. I think Victor Olofsson is that guy. So I've been critical of him of late this summer, last season. Sometimes I want to see more out of him, but he is who he is, and he's going to score goals. And I think this week he's shown me that he was willing to score goals in different areas of the ice. Jeff Skinner's had a good week, I thought, uh, in the goalies faced often. So those two I felt like they had a tougher start to the year, although Olofsson had the first two goals in the empty net. They're gotten themselves going this week, I felt. Quickly on Quinn and Krebs, Jack has 11 shots on goal in 10 games, which I think would be surprising, but let's be realistic. First full year, finding his way, still finds other ways to contribute. And Krebs, who typically never shoots the puck, has seven shots in 10 games. And again, low ice time, just worthy of keeping an eye on those numbers 
recognizing where they are now and seeing where they can grow. As for the games... And well, Quinn, quickly, his yep. 11 shots were in a four-game span where he had a goal right. and an assist. You know, the other games, nothing. And mm -hmm. Krebs, where he started not doing much, and then he was a healthy scratch for two. The games right after that, boom, his shot attempts went up. Uh, even when he got benched one game, the next game he had six shot attempts. Like, I think, the, like, that 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 rotation with Don Granado really helped Quinn and Krebs. They just got to find the consistency now. But when they shoot the puck and when they're involved, there's a big difference. Only a minute to go. So very quickly, uh, a one-liner on Vegas. Uh, sorry, on Arizona, on Vegas, on Boston. Well, don't sleep on Arizona because everybody's going to look at Vegas and Boston. Uh, at any moment, that team with Vimalka and Nat, uh, I don't know if he'll play on Tuesday night, but could pull a game out of mm -hmm. there, you know what, yep. and surprise you. You cannot yep. go into this beat, week beat. and lose to Arizona. That's the way I look at it. And then Vegas and Boston, I hope we get some bodies back. I hope Darlene's back. If you have Darlene Lubushkin, I think you're in good shape. But if you're missing one of the two, it's going to be tough. Uh, what about um, any hunches, if you will, on uh, the return? The, the return for the Yoki Haryus and Samuelsons of the world? I would say this week is too early. Yeah. I'm thinking it would be more middle to late November at the earliest. And I mm -hmm. think Yoki Haryu will probably be the first one to come back. And then we may see Samuelson. That's my hutch, uh, Detective Frawley. Uh, how does my cap fit? You look good with your uh, Astros. You've missed uh, this look, right? Be honest. I've, I've missed the look of you loving baseball. And... Uh, just to be a, a full disclosure, Saturday night, we're in studio. We have the World Series game on one TV, and you did not want to know your passion for the Astros has come back. I love it. I wouldn't even go home. I sat in the car hoping that the game would be over by the time I decided to go in, and eventually I got a text from my best friend from college, and from our videographer, Sam Karatkin, almost simultaneously, <laughs> one saying, congratulations. The other one saying, you can start watching now. And it was Sammy that I'm like, really? So, yes, that's how I found out they won. Then I spent about four hours watching highlights on loop. With, well, that's uh, why I didn't text you, because I felt I figured maybe you were going to go back and watch the game from the beginning. Kind of uh, like having that feeling that maybe they pulled oh, yeah. it off. So yeah. I didn't text you. That was pretty crazy. Um, some remarkable stories within it. And I think that's a fitting way to end because you just never know what's around the corner in life. Dusty and, Baker. And you, and you, and you Dusty, Baker, Dusty Baker's first oh. World Series. Like, so yeah. happy for him. I know people are going to say the Astros, they cheated. Oh, okay, let's get over it. Like, he took the job when nobody really wanted a job. And he brought the team to two World Series and finally won one. Yeah, and it's remarkable how good a job he has done there. Um, we we sometimes wonder the impact of coaches, managers. Um, this is a clear case where an incredible human being was absolutely the right person needed for the job, and congrats there. Marty, thank you, and for everyone, thank you again for your loyalty um, through and through. We see it on display all the time. We interact with you as much as humanly possible. And when faced with the opportunity like we had, presented with the opportunity like we had this week to see you face-to-face, -face, uh, it, it is just the best. So we'll see you next time on Sabres Live Overtime. Damn it, I should have let you say that, that was, to end the show. <laughs> that was my my junior coach, Joe Canale, one year. Oh.
Stefan yeah. LaRue from RDS, the junior reporter from RDS, Stefan LaRue, he did an interview with me before a game in Saint-Siacinth. And uh, we're in the stands, he's interviewing me, and then go on for the game. First period, we're down 3 nothing. He pulls me. And he comes, like, he comes right in my face, right? And he goes, you is suck today. And then he leaves. And then while after the first period, we're in the locker room and he's looking around and he says in French, it was so funny. He goes, I tell you guys, and he had an Italian, French, English accent. It was so funny. Little guy, curly hair. He looked like oh, the yeah. guy. From... I remember him. Oh, you remember him with Team oh, Canada, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you guys, I tell you guys, you don't. I watched him. Him over there. He did interviews before game. All good, eh? I'm good. I'm good. I do interviews. But he sucked so bad. So bad today. <laughs>